you know what, Jen? I don't think I've ever looked better in my life. I think I'm I'm at the peak of my physical prowess. I think you are. At the moment. And yeah. I would love to share that with people. I'd love people to be able to see me in the flesh. Just it's to... selfish to keep this. <laughs> it is. This amount of radiance needs to be shared. So I thought what I would do is invite people along to see me in real life. To be in the same room at the Museum of Comedy. At the Museum of Comedy, because comedy is what I do <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> and you belong in a museum. No, oh, no. No, no, no. It was How rude. My self-esteem had climbed and now it's back down on the floor. But no, I um, love the Museum of Comedy and I'm going to go there and I'm going to take my raw magnetism with me uh, on Wednesday the 24th of April. Can I come too? You can. Just try not to sort of detract from my glow, you know. Okay. Uh, we are going to have the magnificent Jenny Ryan, a magnificent guest, Ooh. TBA. Wednesday the 24th of April, put it in your diaries, bring your sunglasses because I am shining. Yeah, get your tickets now. The link is in our social media or from the music. Museum of Comedy website. Oh, please do come. Jen's all right as well. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. What's your name? Jenny Ryan. Correct. What's my name? Lucy Porter. Correct. What are we doing? We're making a podcast all about quizzing. Correct. What's it called? Fingers on buzzers. Correct. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fingers on Buzzers. Oh, it's like Paul Hardcastle's in the room with me. It really is. My age at the time of recording, of course. So we've got a treat yet again for you um a woman today who is i mean she's an author she's a podcaster she's an actor she's a poet she's got more strings to her bow than yehudi menuhin <laughs> or a more contemporary violin mantovani no I, I mean i really don't know any contemporary, reasonably contemporary i mean there must be <laughs> there must be a more current violinist surely nick nicoletta ben benedetti um, okay, I yeah. don't know. There's someone, but uh, yes, she's not a violinist, but that's about all she doesn't do. It's the brilliant Samantha Baines who will be What's talking a polymath. To us. So we'll be hearing from the brilliant Samantha Baines, and we have a wonderful listener quiz which has been sent in by James Ellis. Already looking forward to it. I know so much to get on with. So let's do it right now. <laughs> 
And so here we are with a woman of so many talents. I cannot even begin to list them. I mean, I did. Samantha, before you arrived, I just listed some of them. But I mean, you know, author. I mean, can actor... you play the violin? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I said you had so well... many strings to your bow. Uh, and if you can also play the violin, that would be amazing. I did level one of the violin when I was at school and um, my family complained. So then I stopped. (laughs) But technically you're a violinist. So we have (laughs) a violinist, uh, an author, an actor, a comedian, a poet and someone who I always think of as a great purveyor of facts. Because having seen your Edinburgh show now, um, you taught me all about women in space, Samantha. Oh, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> I do love a fact. It's like I, I tried to combine facts and funnies in my stand-up. And yeah, I just love finding out interesting nuggets of information that unfortunately don't come up in quizzes as often as you'd want them to. Mm, this is the problem, isn't it? The really interesting stuff kind of, you know, you kind of go, oh, if they ask me about women in space... You know, if you were on Mastermind, would that be your specialist subject? What would you go for? I don't know if it would be because there's there's been quite a few women in space now and they'd probably ask you about all of their lives rather than them being in actual space. So I feel like I don't know enough. Although, you know, you do, you like cram before you go on. That would be quite a fun subject to cram. So maybe something to do with, I don't know, tampons in space. Is that too specific? <laughs> Ah, possibly just... maybe not for the celebrity series okay yeah you're allowed to get <laughs> I also really like Harry Potter not the author um but the stories and uh and the films so but loads of people do that now don't they Harry Potter yeah I yeah, think that's it's, one it's an ever-expanding topic as well now so yeah I think yeah I'd, I'd avoid that Could tampons I just do... in space yeah tampons <laughs> or, or or tv programs and films I've been in and only the episode I've been in <laughs> so that I can answer questions on that. Well, I've got two follow-up questions there. Firstly, tampons in space. Our listeners might be going, what the heck are they talking about? So can you enlighten us there? Um, I just like tampons in space. No, there is um, that one of the first or the first American woman in space, Sally Ride, uh, she went to space for seven days and the story goes, people have tried to disprove this, but then other people have said it's true. So there's a bit of a gray area around whether this actually happened. Something like this definitely happened. But the engineers at NASA before she went to space for a week said, um, how many tampons do you need? Is a hundred enough <laughs> for seven oh. days? I mean, that's so, a heavy flow. Yeah. In my stand up, yeah. I obviously, you know, act out um, <laughs> sucking up tampons with my vagina and then shooting them out as a way to use them up. There's lots of different or like them floating and her holding on to them like the old man in up with the balloons. <laughs> There's lots of different options. But yeah. Wow. And then the second follow up question, obviously, is we have trailed you as an actor and you have been in some amazing stuff. So if we were to quiz you on things that you've been in, what have been the most fun things that you have done? 
Oh, the fun thing. The fun things are normally not the big things, unfortunately. Mm. Although I think, you know, I did Magic Mike Live, which was directed by Channing Tatum, and that was quite fun. And Channing Um, did come in and he stuck his hand in, didn't he? Yeah, so I I uh, didn't stick his hand in me, unfortunately. <laughs> no, no. Um, which is a question that I get asked a lot. Did you sleep with Channing Tatum? And to those people, I would just like to say thank you for assuming <laughs> that I could sleep with Channing Tatum. Um, I love you so much. Uh, but uh, no, I didn't sleep with him. Um, exclusive. Whoa. Um, uh, but yeah, he did. I worked with him on the script because it was already a show Vegas so I worked with him on the script in LA as you do when I was getting divorced to make it into the London show and then yeah he came over to London and directed us you know on stage and stuff so that was pretty fun and then the crown was very fun um but that was series one. So it wasn't as huge as it is now, but it was still like a really big production. And I think I'd just come off doing, I mean, no offense to Dane Baptiste. It was a lovely show, but I did Dane Baptiste BBC three show, which was a slightly smaller budget than Netflix. <laughs> the Crown. I'm just, you know, possibly, I don't know the numbers, um, but then going on to like a huge thing, like the crown where like I had my own runner and for people who don't know, a runner is like basically a person who's meant to run around to give you things um, like do errands for you and I just felt terrible because I was like no I can get my own coffee from the coffee you know little stand that they have that's totally fine and I remember them saying to me I literally have nothing to do yes. if you don't ask mm. me to do things yes. so then I became a real diva and I was <laughs> like well just because you need things to do how about I have a chocolate coated man in my trailer no I didn't ask for that um, chocolate coated might... Channing Tatum yeah because <laughs> yes. I mean I used to be a runner and actually you sort of you want somebody who's nice but demanding enough that you can then justify going off and going oh god Ms Baines has asked me for <laughs> a bowl of M&Ms with all the blue ones taken out or whatever so yeah you get a bit of time bit of time away um and so I mean and now I suppose we now know you as an author I know. Author and activist. Is that a fun job title to have? It's very serious, isn't it? You know, coming from, because I trained as an actress and then um, I was in a sketch group and then I started stand-up comedy and I've actually stopped doing live stand-up now because, you know, I'm deaf in one ear and it's a really overwhelming sound environment with my hearing aid and all of that. And and I do like being funny, but I guess at the moment I'm trying to do it through other avenues. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't like traveling on my own. I'm very lazy. So, um, but coming from kind of acting and comedy, yeah, author and activist is like properly, it's very like Radio 4, the Today <laughs> program, isn't it? We're speaking to author and activist Samantha Baines uh, about her authoring and activism in minimum. And and no shade on that programme. Like, I'm very happy to be on. But um, but yeah, it feels, it definitely feels like I've got to put my serious face on Mm. and not make any silly jokes about chocolate-covered men in my trailer. (laughs) Yeah, not to say that you haven't slept with Channing Tatum because most of the Radio 4 audience wouldn't know who that is for a start. But but I understand understand that that is part of Greta Thunberg's rider. (laughs) 
not sleeping with Channing Tatum or a chocolate covered, just chocolate covered humans. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm bisexual, so I'm very happy for it to be a chocolate covered woman or or non-binary person. You know, it's a sustainable way of serving chocolate. Yeah, it is because, you know, it's difficult to wash off. So you need to either lick or sweat it off. Yeah. Uh, the things we learn on this podcast, <laughs> it never ceases to amaze me. So, uh, yeah, so you've been writing amazing books, firstly for children. So Harriet versus the Galaxy, which my children absolutely loved. Oh, uh, And uh, the, the Night the Moon Went Out. And now you have, in your sort of activist slash author capacity, uh, you have a new book coming out. Yes, it's called Living with Hearing Loss and Deafness, A Guide to Owning It and Loving It. Oh, I love that. And uh, yeah, the longest title of all time, just so that when I go on and do interviews about it, I have to remember all the words in order. Um, But yeah, so it's basically the book I originally wanted to write before I thought I'd be like an author. I thought I had one book in me and I thought this was the book. Um, And it's actually taken this lot. It's taken the two children books to sort of get here because at the time everyone was like oh hearing loss and deafness so niche um and even though my children's books have deaf protagonists there's still you know a whole story of space and magic to be getting on with um and this is it's non-fiction so it's me interviewing lots of brilliant deaf people and representatives from like deaf charities and audiologists and just getting lots of information and facts which you know I love um and putting them together and then also just putting some you know actual stories from my life and other people's lives because I feel like when I when I got my hearing aid um and when I was told I had hearing loss I was 30 so it was just over five years ago and I I looked for a book to kind of explain it to me, but in a conversational way, because I love facts, but I don't always understand them straight away. (laughs) I have to research them. Um, And there was lots of amazing factual books out there, but um, they would definitely take a bit of research. And I sort of just wanted to like talk to someone almost about my experience. So hopefully that's what this book is so it's very silly in places as am I um but there are also yeah facts and and like useful practical information if you were getting your first hearing aid or you just discovered that you were um had hearing loss or were deaf Mm. or becoming deaf um or even if a family member it would help what is lovely about you as well is that you do have a very warm conversational style as evidenced in your podcast, The Divorce Social. Well, thank you very much. Yes, I like to talk to people about their divorces and mine. <laughs> and what have been your favourite uh, interviews in the course of doing that podcast, would you say? Oh, I, it's it's been a bit of a journey with The Divorce Social because I set it up during lockdown in my spare room and really it was a an excuse to make people talk to me about their divorces because I wanted to check that mine was normal in inverted commas there's no normal divorce um but you know or, or like other people's experiences and having a podcast is a really good way to make people talk to you top tip and make friends so I started off doing that but yeah I've learned something from every single person I've interviewed and it's been so interesting I think I interviewed um 
Karen Hauer from Strictly Come Dancing, um, who has been in the latest series with Jade, who's mm. a comedian that we all know. Um, so that, that was really fun um, because I didn't know her at all before I interviewed her. And I think she'd actually heard the podcast before and that's how we got chatting. Um, and it was really nice. She spoke really eloquently and she has this way of like creating these amazing metaphors for life. And she talked about, um, you know, her divorce and like grief and stuff being like a tumor clinging on your back. And like, I was like, wow, that's such an amazing way of describing life and, and this experience. So it was lovely to talk to her. Um, and then Sarah Millican was who we kicked it all off with because she mm -hmm. is, you know, the godmother of divorce amongst comedians. I don't know if you know this, but um, <laughs> yes. female comedians have been divorced before shock and were too funny for some people and, uh, and even some people that we marry. Um, and <laughs> and so Sarah's like been uh, this font of wisdom for so many people. So she was the first person I turned to. But then equally, you know, incredible people like Annie Kazamura, um, who lives she was living in the Congo and she was in an abusive marriage. And at the time it was illegal for her to book a flight out of the country without her husband's permission. So she literally couldn't escape him like under the law and, and just about her incredible journey. And she moved to South Africa and now she's um, living in Canada and she got asylum in calendar with her and her family. And she's now kind of an activist and works to help other women, mm -hmm. um, which is incredible. So, yeah, just a real varied range of stories. And I've got a new series coming up, which is I'm speaking to some very exciting people. Ooh. Famous people in America, like big oh, time. Heck, who's recently got divorced in America? Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> See if oh, we can well. guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, so yeah, it's been it's definitely been a journey, but it's amazing. And people share so much. It's so lovely. They're very honest, which is I, think, I feel very privileged. Well, there is that sort of impulse, isn't it? That if you've been through a lot of crap, you want to help other people who might be able to benefit from your experience which is lovely and that you've set up the podcast to allow people to do that and I guess also with you know your role now as a kind of ambassador what's your sort of official connection to sort of deaf activism and uh, ambassadorship so, yes yeah, so I I have a hearing aid um I'm deaf and I have it's worse in one ear, which is the ear I wear hearing aid in. And I am the celebrity ambassador. Who do I think I am calling myself a celebrity? I'm the celebrity ambassador for RNID, which is the Royal National Institute for Deaf People. And so I get involved with a lot of their campaigns, particularly the Subtitle It campaign, mm -hmm. which is about pushing for subtitles in the cinemas and also on video on demand services so they did a big campaign with the government and stuff um, and then we've also talked about tinnitus at the house of commons and all sorts so yeah I just get involved with their campaigns whenever I can and whenever I can lend a helping hand basically and we're quite excited obviously on this podcast our focus is quizzing and I if I'm completely honest, when we uh, we did our last live show at King's Place and 
we had a sign language interpreter and it you know we had a bsl interpreter and it's just you go it's so easy it's such a, a you know a great thing to have alongside what you're doing because you know jenny will be able to enlighten us i think about how you know the the kind of accessibility of quizzing is something i'll be honest i'd never really thought about until we started doing this podcast and we've yeah. talked about it in various ways haven't we absolutely there's there are so many uh ways that we we can be more inclusive i mean at the, I, I was at an event a couple of weeks ago and the um, that we have all the fans lined up waiting for selfies and everything. And one of the fans who was who wanted to speak to me was um, a, a deaf man, and he was asking me, you know, are there any plans to make it possible for me to appear on the chase? You know, I, I would love to do it. And thinking about actually, there's there's a whole stumbling block here with our format, but there are so many other ways we can. Uh, come up with accessible formats and other it's it's I suppose it quizzing being such a broad church there is a way in for everybody but also being aware of that because it's it's just not something that you know hearing people think of enough and uh yeah it made it made me feel really bad but yeah I think I do think uh I'd be interested to find out what the what the quizzing ways of the deaf community are yes well Unfortunately, we hadn't spoken sooner because there's not a chapter in the book about quizzing and there should be. Um, but uh, don't worry, as a deaf community, we don't blame you for the chase not being accessible. Um, but actually, it's quite an accessible show because the questions are written down and there's different options that the person can read. So it would only be the interactions and all you need is just a BSL interpreter to be there. So I feel like that's a pretty straightforward one. Some of them would be harder, you know, like, you know, on some of my favorite quizzes, they have like a music round where you have to obviously that's gonna not be accessible to a deaf person but um but yeah I feel like the chase could be let's make it happen I'm gonna contact the producers and be like oi <laughs> um a particularly speedy interpreter for the for the final chase though <laughs> yes although it it could it could just be written down yeah and you know the quick fire yeah it could, you know, there could be a way of working that out where the questions could appear on the screen because obviously they know, you know, the producers and everyone know the questions in advance. And yeah. the, the show is edited. So, you know, I mean, actually in terms of for the contestants, there would be, I'm trying to think, God, it's interesting, isn't it? The yeah. logistics of it. Because obviously in terms of the viewing audience, it's, you know, that's kind of easy. But in terms of, yeah, as a contestant, whether... <sighs> you know in if your bsl interpreter can right this is this well, isn't going in the podcast because i'm just trying to sort of think well i i think this i think if the bsl interpret if the time if the time was only counted from when the bsl interpreter had finished translating the question mm -hmm. mm. so the thinking time was the same mm. Which would be easier in individual shows. So, for example, Mastermind. Yeah. That so an individual show would be easier. A team show, I guess, would be a little bit harder. Yeah. I think it's the I think it's the team aspect. Not knowing until the time how many people are going to be in your team and buzzing in and 
you know that that kind of communication between you, you and your team members as much as anything well if but if you had an all deaf team and then if the buzzers vibrated as well i'm like yes. no we can make this happen yeah <laughs> well i mean eggheads certainly yeah i can see definitely eggheads would be a great way to start um i mean mastermind certainly i could yeah. see that being kind of doable but yeah, we just we do just need to think a bit more, don't we? I mean, what I found interesting recently was I don't know if you saw Jamie McDonald, the blind comedian from Scotland, was on Have I Got News for You? Mm-hmm. And, and they had a picture around. Yes. And what was really quite refreshing was that it was the viewers who were saying, hang on a minute, yeah. you know, this is kind of not acceptable. And I mean, you know, Jamie very graciously was like, well, I knew what I signed up for when I was doing the show and, you know, I didn't feel that I was disadvantaged. And I mean, obviously that's a panel show, not a quiz show, which is a very sort of different thing. It's all just for laughs and there's no sort of points or money involved, but you know, it's just so great that we are now having those conversations, I guess. Yeah. And I think, I think it's taken too long. Mm-hmm. Um, and And actually, you know, one of the things I write about in the book and also, you know, a lot of people say if you go online, there's loads of brilliant um, activists in the deaf community, like doing so much work all all the time. And that's like their full time job and they journalists. And um, if we created everything in the first place to be accessible, exactly. Build none of this would be a problem. Yeah. Like and we've. I think- yeah created our own issues as an ableist society mm-hmm. totally and if you just because actually when you're creating a quiz so you know you think about so many things and just building accessibility into that from day one you know like that is absolutely what should happen all the time now and hopefully will but it as you say it's frustrating that it's taken yeah i have to say if we, if we can make it possible for a pretend fox to take part on the chase then we can <laughs> that happened yeah wow i haven't i didn't see that episode yeah basil brush was a contestant on he's been on twice oh wow they actually created an extra bit of set for him so uh yeah well yeah i feel like it's it's almost slightly offensive that a puppet <laughs> went on first before a deaf person but sure <laughs> he's famous i get it <laughs> <laughs> And, Sorry, and, my dog's chewing something. I know, and oh. you know, my cat was just, I don't I know saw if you the saw, cat, yeah. Yeah, my cat was just getting up on my, I'm just going to let the cat out, actually, because she's getting up on my shoulders. Sorry, do excuse me. Oh, hello, Custard. <gasps> Custard. Custard's going to sit on my lap. That's yeah, oh. we've decided. We've been joined for the, uh, the last part of this interview by Samantha's gorgeous dog, Custard. such an amazing (laughs) dog um so now I I mean we want to talk to you more about your obviously your love of facts does that lead into being a keen quizzer well I want it to be more of that because I feel like I've got so many great facts in me Mm. to seep out into quizzing (laughs) <laughs> whenever I got quite into pub quizzes and I used to go to kind of local ones and then they stopped and now there's a new local one near me so I'm going to go to that like in the next month but there's always I feel like there's always very stereotypical pub quiz rounds that don't allow for my facts you know there's rarely like a science 
well, a space round is specifically what I'd like, or, you know, uh, a tampon round. <laughs> There's none of these. It's always like, <laughs> geog- I'm terrible at geography, like honestly, so bad. My mum tells me off all the time about it. So, and that's always around. And then there's always like a general knowledge, which is things that aren't general knowledge. They're very obscure, um, but not obscure enough for me to know them. Um, <laughs> Amanda, our producer, did primus with the fact that you you had said that you know geography was your worst nightmare, and so Jenny and I thought actually part of our function on this this podcast is really to sort of help people with their quizzing ability. So this seems like an ideal opportunity mm-hmm. to talk a little bit about if geography terrifies you, and I know it does for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, there are things you can do, Samantha. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Okay. Yeah, is it, would you say it's a visualization thing? Is it is it, or just a no sense of direction thing? Or do you just not care? <laughs> I think it's okay. It's like I used to live in central London. And I know all a lot of the places in central London, but I know them from getting out of the tube station at that place. And then I know like the shops nearby, but I don't know how they connect to each other. And that is the same <laughs> with the world. Mm. So I've been to a lot of incredible places, but I can't tell you where they are. <laughs> um, that is a very common thing. I, I get a bit yeah. of that as well. I think London does ruin a lot of us in terms of seeing how the bits connect together um and also i have no sense of direction i don't drive so well try and make it a bit more fun visual put up a map in your bathroom where you can see it from the toilet okay and you can just keep glancing at it if you if it's a world map a map of britain a map of london you start to see where things are in relation to one another 
and you know you, you might spend a little bit of time in there you never know just mm. uh, things build up if i love a good poo I think if there's any anything that you you need to keep coming back to, just a little bit of revision on a daily basis, back of the toilet door mm. is it's a it's a prime candidate because the you know it'll it's it's um it's just giving you a little bit of a visual cue. But I mean, it might mean you need to go to the loo during the middle of the pub quiz because it's sort of a, a conditioning thing. <laughs> Unless you're opening your bowels, you cannot tell where Lithuania <laughs> is. <laughs> Well, I do. I do all always. I have anxiety as well, and I do always like to know where the nearest toilet is. Mm. I have a bit of a weeing thing, and also, you know, as a deaf person, when I'm out in a really loud environment like a pub can be, a toilet is quite often a haven mm-hmm. for so many reasons, but also because it's normally slightly quieter than the outside. So I like this idea of making my haven also school is it's a learning environment as well but not yeah. it's not forcing you to learn it's kind of a passive learning so even if you just go oh i didn't realize how far north coventry was mm. um, but yeah the problem Nobody is really see, cares where coventry is really do oh i do my mum was from there so that's one of the few oh. ones that i know about but it's the problem up is, from london right it's up from it london there you go yeah. there we go it's a start <clears throat> <laughs> you see, you're better than you thought you were. But the problem with the toilet now is I know a lot of people take their phone to the toilet. Yeah. And I'm here to say don't do that for any number of reasons, hygienic, but also knowledge. Because, you know, it used to be you'd sit on the loo and go, oh, God, you know, this is taking a bit longer than I thought. I'll read the back of a shampoo bottle or yes. I'll, you know, have a think. And actually that time is time you can be revising. So this is to you, Samantha, and to all our listeners. Okay. Leave your phone I like outside. the idea that you poo in your shower as well, where the shampoo bottles are really <laughs> close by. Got I'm very arms. much like a French person. <laughs> they poo in the shower and poke it down with their toes. That's what I've heard. Uh, oh, wow. That's, that's what I've heard. That's what my husband tells me. That's involved. <laughs> um, that's his excuse anyway. But I would say our top tips for, I mean, God knows what he does in the bathroom. I like to just ignore any, you know, I don't like to know. Um, our top tips are revise on the toilet. Mm. Um, but also I think exactly what Jenny was saying like if you're a visual person do visualization for me it's lists as well like lists of American state capitals world capitals you know geography is actually much more manageable than you think because the range of things they ask about in geography and quizzes is actually quite narrow isn't it in a pub quiz definitely so you want to start with your your national capitals really yeah um and yeah u.s state capitals former names of countries is quite a good Uh, one as well but for learning those kind of things you can gamify it so i'd say uh look at something like sparkle where you can pick a topic that you're quite weak on and you can keep playing the same game even if you play it once a week and try and improve your score every week you'll you'll find things kind of stack up and uh you you've got a little bit more knowledge every time well, I mean, I'll... that's if you if you're not into that, that if you're not interested in geography, I think if you're not interested in any topic, it is a bit of a losing battle. To and <laughs> if you're not interested in any topic, then your life's going to be hard. You've got to be interested yeah. in something. Yeah. Um, no, but I like the idea of lists, actually, because quite often when it comes to geography, it's all spaced out on a map. Mm-hmm. And actually being a wordy person, 
Mm. I love a list. Yes. So I feel like that might be more accessible, like a list of capital cities. List on the back of the bathroom door. There you go. Yeah. Oh my God, I love it. I did I... actually, talking of poo though, I did actually, this is the sort of obscure knowledge I have. I did actually go to a lecture on primate poo and that was <laughs> incredibly interesting. So, I mean... I can't do geography, but I could, you know, I had, I went on safari recently, I know, showing off. And um, I found out that leopard poo is, you know, how it looks, it's quite pellety um, compared to other. And I had a whole chat with the game driver about different animals poo. And that's one of the ways that he tries to track all the animals. And then me and my sister were like trying to create a, um, uh, like a dictionary of poo for the animals that we were checking out on safari. So we started taking pictures of the poo. And then we were like, we're going to get home and be scrolling through our phone, showing people pictures of our holiday. And then just be like, oh, and then it'll just be 20 pictures of different poos. Shall I do the two of you a quick quiz about poo? Uh, yes. Please. Um, okay, this Please is not dream. necessarily about animals you might have seen on safari, but this is... Um, this is just about general animal poo, okay? Okay, I love it. So no, we... I just need to express that my eyes are wide and lit up for anyone <laughs> listening because I'm genuinely excited about this stuff. Uh, okay, so I'm going to give you uh, descriptions of some animal feces and you have to tell me which animal might leave these clues behind. Okay, this is an animal that we find often in the UK. Uh, their droppings are about five centimetres long, cylindrical and generally quite dark. They might be filled with bits of insects and worms. Um, and I will give you a clue to the a animal. Mole. It's not a mole. It's not a mole, but you're in the, I mean, vaguely in the right kind of ballpark. It's an animal. It's insect. an animal. It's a mammal. It is a mammal. It's a mammal of the sub... No, it's a mammal of the subfamily Erinaceae. Hedgehog. Wow. I'm sorry, Samantha. She's this good. She's this good. That is indeed the hedgehog's droppings. The hedgehogs eat worms. Turns out they do. Not milk. That's an excellent (laughs) fact. (laughs) Um, I'm going to give you another one. Okay. This animal produces dog-like droppings that are usually pointy at one end and full of fur, feathers, tiny bones, seeds and berries. Foxes. Yes. Oh. <laughs> I mean, the vixen should have got that one, but uh, yeah. <laughs> well, did I come in too early? Was that an illegal no, answer? No, no okay. that's great. That's great absolutely knowledge. perfect. Okay, here's another one. Uh, droppings are left in clusters of little round hard balls. They that are is- usually... Yes. Yeah. Man, I've actually is... got of, of all the things I I I picked up a brown <laughs> felt tip pen at the beginning of this recording. So I'm actually drawing some some uh some of these descriptions as we go along. <laughs> oh You're drawing them. Is this is this a like top tip for getting the answer? Just drawing, drawing some rabbit poo. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> for the listeners, uh, that's a really very accurate drawing of rabbit poo. Shall I give you another one? Yeah. I'll give you two more. 
Okay, okay, the first one. These animals poo in shallow pits called latrines. Their droppings vary from firm and sausage-shaped to softer, slimier, and darker if they've been eating lots of worms. Their humans. droppings have a sweet... Up until then. <laughs> well, they have a sweet, musky smell. <laughs> Certainly mine aren't sweet and musky. <laughs> you have named this animal previously, so just go hedgehogs. scroll back. It's... No, no, it was said before. Badgers. Yes. Oh. They they go in. Oh, my God. They dig out the a little trees. toilet. I yes. knew I loved badgers. Very clean animals, the but, badger. Yeah, very hygienic, that. Very polite. Well, so and, they, and their poo smells musky. Sweet and musky. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's like my perfume. Yeah, go and seek them out. Badger they poo. Look, there's an illustration. They do look quite big. I'll just show for the... Oh, actually, you won't be able to see. Can you see how big those are? Oh, no, wow. Yeah. Really. That's quite a big. That's quite a big dropping. Okay, one more because you're the big lads, neck. though, aren't they? Badgers. We've yeah. got one more. Okay. Okay. Oh, I'm going to pick to play for. Right. Okay. This animal will often leave droppings where they roost, so they can often be found chickens to walls or on the ground under holes Bats. or trees. Bats. Oh, oh no! Isn't it? Yeah. Jenny, with her scatological knowledge, has Wait, just they it. they poo against walls. Yes, that's incredible. Stay on the side, doesn't it? You can tell what you you can tell when the you're in a, a building where the the bats are roosting in the eaves because mm. uh, there's crap all down the walls. And oh, is that because they're just hanging above yeah. the wall? They don't yeah. sort of shoot. I, I'm imagining them shooting their poo at the walls. <laughs> Why not? Like from you know, afar. Decorating the place. You know, let's, let's make this place look a bit more... Because uh, that would be a skill, wouldn't it? Shooting your poo against a wall. I'm going to keep practising. That's going to yeah. be my... Britain's Got Talent next series. That's going to be my special skill. I'll tell you what, Samantha, I'm going to give you one more. Just to, This is just for you. To okay. see if you can, uh, you know, equal Jenny's fecal abilities fecal attraction we could call this quiz i'm just saying that's an idea um so this animal regurgitates parts of their food that they cannot digest such as the fur and bones of small animals and birds these pellets can look like animal droppings but do not smell and gradually turn gray as they dry out so basically they 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 poop from both ends effectively is this a fox again it's not a fox. Yeah. Oh, Jenny's desperate to come in. Regurgitate. Who pellets. knew that you were so knowledgeable? It is owl pellets. Yeah. So if you see an owl pellet, that's poo that didn't make it that way. It's come up the other way. Yeah. And my second children's book has loads of owls in it. And I'm sad I didn't include that as a fact for the <laughs> eight to nine-year-olds because um, they would they have loved know. that. They already know. <laughs> They're very up on the, the owl defecation. So they puke and poo, but the puke looks like a poo. Is it's that what like, we're it's saying? It's like the dried out bits that they do, they're not going to digest. So they, the bones and the feathers and stuff, it comes up in a little ball. It's gross. Wow. They're very clever. I'm totally Googling owl, <laughs> owl pellets. Yeah, when, when we finish. Well, this, I mean, we are about to finish. And this interview has been fascinating and brilliant in ways that I could never have predicted when we started. So uh, it's been an absolute joy to talk to you and actually you know interesting facts great suggestions and I know a lot of the members of the sort of quiz community listen to this and I think that idea that building accessibility in from the start of a quiz whether that is a pub quiz or a tv quiz you know is so important I think 
you know that's been amazing so we will be listening to your podcast samantha and we'll be buying you but when is your book out and tell us the very long title again please yes so living with hearing loss and deafness a guide to owning it and loving it is out on the 27th of april 2023 and it's available to pre-order now perfect well we will look forward to buying that and thank you so much for being an amazing guest samantha bay thank you and thank you for the poo fact (laughs) (laughs) and we are thrilled to say that we have a listener quiz for this show uh so we're going to welcome amanda hi amanda hi is is this about animal droppings i wish (laughs) I mean, it's a huge subject, obviously, isn't it? So, I mean, do we invite people to write in? No, because they'll send in pictures of their own poo. You know that's what happens on the internet, so let's not do that. But, Jenny, I'm very impressed with your knowledge of poop. That's and your drawing I, I've always well. respected you, but I, I respect you even more now. <laughs> so James Ellis has sent us a listener quiz. And is James Ellis going to move us slightly out of the latrine and up to uh, <laughs> loftier heights? Well, he's moving everybody out of their comfort zones because this is a sports-based quiz. Mm. Because he specifically has picked up on the fact that you guys have said that, you know, it might not be your strongest subject. Well, no, so Jen is these... very good at sports, actually. Well, I think yes. it's me who's the weak link here. You'd really know your um, local football clubs, don't you, Jen? So I'd say that's a specialist <laughs> subject of yours. Well, this one kind of covers most of the sporting gambit. So, oh. I mean, netball um, we've done. We did netball yes. with Laura Lex, so I feel yep. if if netball comes up, I'm pretty confident. Not in this quiz. But ah, okay, let's. I think you. I think you guys will do really well. And also, okay. there's some. There's a couple of clues as well uh, for some of the questions, which obviously might jog things along. So, I'll just get straight into it. Question number one: Which former sports star once set a world land speed record for the vintage gas coupe? Gas coupe. Mm. Is that how am I pronouncing that right? Is it gas coupe? No idea. Uh, can you repeat the question, please, Amanda? Yeah. I'd love to repeat the question, just so I can say gas coupe. It is, which former sports star once set a world land speed record for the vintage gas coupe? And apologies I, if I am saying that. So I feel like it's going to be someone who is not famous not for driver. driving. Yeah. Um. So someone who's a speed enthusiast, sporting legend. Like, um, oh, no, they should not. Is it going to be someone like, I'm going to say Vinnie Jones, because it feels like the kind of, you know, daring do that he might engage in. There's a little clue here as well. Yeah, so please, um, please. I don't know how much of a clue this is going to be, though. They were the subject of a very successful biopic. So it was a really, it was a really famous oh, film. Well, is it one of those like, uh, so one of the sports car drivers, uh, like, you know, Ayrton Senna, Ayrton Senna, there is a... Bio. No, I think is, is is it a driver? No, it's not somebody okay, that's so no, someone from a no different driving. Sport. Yeah, Muhammad Ali. No, good guess though. Oh. Um, so I mean, that's he, someone with a, a a very successful biopic. Yeah, I mean, it was. I would say Eddie was, the Eagle. <gasps> oh, I'd love it. Eddie the Eagle. Uh, who else have we had? Muhammad Ali, Eddie the Eagle. Um, oh my goodness! This person, th- there was something very notorious that happened, and they were actually drummed out of the sport. Ooh. And now, as a result, uh, they were banned for life from this particular is, sport. It, is it Tonya Harding? It is Tonya Harding. <gasps> That's 
what a great question. Person. Yes. Like, oh, that's brilliant. Like non-gendered approach. Oh, Tonya Harding then went on to to do driving. I'm not sure when when this record was set. I think it was when she was still ice skating, or maybe even before. But it's actually really sad because um she's she's a pro boxer now. Wow. Her dad was like a mechanic or a drag racer or something, wasn't he? So I think really, there's right. probably some connection there. Amazing. Oh. That's a great question. How yeah. interesting. Okay, we're well, moving on to question number two. What was first achieved by Diane Leather in 1954? Oh, I do know that name. Diane Leather in a sporting capacity. Oh, gosh. Is Can it I give the clue? Yes, because it really rings a bell, actually. Is that uh, this? It might jog. It might jog you on. Um, uh, it came twenty three days. Jog you on a clue? Oh, it wasn't. It was. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, it came twenty three days after a similar but more famous achievement. The with Roger Bannister's the 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 the, the mile, the mile <gasps> record. Oh, so I I inadvertently gave That's you. That's why you've heard of it, yeah. <laughs> Except no, I, yeah, so... I had a feeling it was athletics based, so yeah, we were yeah. getting the right way. So she was the first woman to run a mile in under five minutes. So that was at four minutes fifty nine, and that's twenty three days after Roger Bannister became the first man to break the four minute mile barrier. Three wow. minutes fifty nine point four seconds. Wow, there was something in the water at that time. Yeah, wasn't there? they everybody suddenly sped up. Okay, football-related question for number three. Which three days uh, of the year have the most English Football League games taken place on? Oh, is it now? Boxing Day. Yes, this is exactly what I was going to say, because Christmas Um, is always blighted for me by uh, (laughs) excess of football. So, yeah, I mean... New Year's Day is usually, because if it's a bank holiday... But Boxing Day is traditionally the one that's absolutely mm. rammed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Boxing Day, yes, at um, over 3,700. New Year's Day, yes, at 1,800 or more. Oh, wow. And there's another, and there's another one as well. There's the last one, which, it, which really surprised me. Um, but apparently it was a thing once. Oh, interesting. So something yeah. like, you know, St. George's Day or... May Day yeah. or something. Yeah. Mm. No, I mean, I can't think. Is it in the same period? Is it sort of in the... Yes. I mean, obviously, it's going to be winter, isn't it? So, box, it's obviously it's not Christmas Day. It's not... Valentine's Day. Isn't it? Isn't it Christmas Day? Is it Christmas Day? It's apparently oh, Christmas Day with 1,200 or more games. Yeah, it used to be kind of a traditional but it's thing a day to do. off, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's give the people something to watch. A, a day off and something to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially in Victorian yeah. times, apparently, because obviously it was the only time workers oh, had the day off. So, yeah. Wow, okay, great. That's hey, such a good question. That's a good one. The lovely thing about that question is you sort of intuitively, you just know, don't you? You just know it's sort of that time of year yeah. and... I always thought being a footballer must be really boring on Christmas. You can't enjoy your turkey, you can't, can you? Just, yeah. They probably don't know anything about the Only Fools and Horses Christmas specials or yeah. uh, <laughs> Mrs Brown's Boys. Imagine if you're a huge Mrs Brown's Boys fan, but you also play for Man City. That's a dilemma yeah. that you yeah. have to wrestle with. Okay, question number four. What links three of the four winners of the demonstration curling event at the 1932 Winter Olympics? They were dead. <laughs> They were Scottish. I mean, yeah, I mean, Scottish would seem fairly... Uh, they, they were... were oh, women? Over 65. Uh, the clue is 
The fourth member of the team, Robert Powell, later served as the mayor of a city in Canada. Question again, please. What links three of the four winners of the demonstration curling event at the 1932 Winter Olympics? 1932, so they were they were all war veterans. Um, shall I give the answer? Yes. Why, yeah. can, why would that be a clue? That's just mad. Yeah. Okay, well, they, William Burns, Eric Willis and James Bowman, were serving MPs for the Canadian Conservative Party. Oh, oh wow, that's fun. That is fun. Okay, question number five. Which country produced the world's first $7 banknote? It's a sporting question. Yeah. It is. The number seven. And there's no clue here either. Number seven. Okay, so number seven, who's a famous number seven, Jen? That's what we need to work yeah. out, isn't it? Um. Was David Beckham not number seven? Was it yeah. the UK? USA, there's been a couple of famous players who sported the number seven, I think. Um, is it USA, but maybe not. Maybe it's a rugby thing. Is it rugby? Rugby sevens. Is rugby sevens not a thing? Uh, will it be New Zealand for like Jonah Lomu or something like that? I'm, get, I'm getting nothing from <laughs> I'm getting nothing from Amanda's <laughs> face, which is where I go for all my clues. Is it to do with rugby sevens, do we think? It is, yeah. Okay. Rugby, not rugby sevens, that would be rugby union, I would say. Rugby union. No? Who, who, I mean, who plays rugby? I don't know, like Tuvalu or... There's, there's sort of... Pap- Papua New Guinea for winning the first ever rugby sevens Olympic medal or whatever. Hawaii, uh, I'm just trying to name. I mean, I'm <laughs> so used to Fiji. Uh, um... Ding, 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 ding. Fiji after, Fiji after they won the Rugby <laughs> Sevens at the 2016 Olympics. Hey! Oh, here we go. Oh, very good. There is a logic there. We followed the trail. Yeah. And we ended oh, up slightly lovely, randomly Lovely Fiji. sport questions that we, we did have a go at. And do you know what? This is, that. again, that you know, what we've illustrated there is if you think you don't know a subject, just talk about it long enough and something will come up yeah. that will give you a clue. Teamwork to make the dream work. And it helps if you've got Amanda, obviously. That's the, the main <laughs> the main help is if Amanda is giving you clues along the way. Um, but that was such a great quiz. And it was sporting, but I actually enjoyed it. So that's a great testament to James Ellis's question-setting skills. Very good work, James. Yeah, so thank you very much. And if you have a listener quiz, why not get in touch with us? Send it in. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at fingersbuzzers. Yeah, and, and uh, we've got an email address, which is fingersbuzzers at gmail.com. Oh, well done. There you go. That's a, a feat of memory. This is why you're the great quizzer that you are, because you remember the email address. <laughs> um, thank you so much to James Ellison. Thank you, Amanda, once again, for your brilliant question hosting. Thank you. What a fascinating, enlightening and generally enjoyable chat with the brilliant Samantha Baines and a wonderful listener quiz from James Ellis. Uh, goodness me, Jen, a lot happened there. Yeah, that was that was intense. I think I need to go and lie down with a flannel on my head for a bit. Um, <laughs> but then I'm going to go straight to Instagram for some quizzing because yes. there's, a, there's a whole culture there that is to be uncovered. I'm really looking forward to getting into some additional quiz. Every week we find another dimension to quiz and it pleases my heart no end. So thank you so much to our gorgeous producer, Amanda. Thank you to all of you for listening and please join us next time for another Fingers on Buzzer. It's like a creaky door opening. (laughs) 
<laughs> Fingers on Buzzers starred Lucy Porter and Jenny Ryan and was produced by Amanda Redman with music by Kevin McLeod and Justin Edwards. Email quiz at fingersonbuzzers.com and tweet at fingersbuzzers. Thanks for listening and don't forget to join us next time for more Fingers on Buzzers. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.